Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Falcoholic Podcast listeners, welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Live, now available in audio-only format. Before we get to the show, just want to remind you that you can catch the Falcoholic Live live on YouTube at 8.10 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday nights. And if you're interested, we also have a post-game show that goes live right after the games on Sunday or whatever date happens to be played. So we hope you enjoy this episode, and we hope to see you on YouTube if you're available. Thank you, and enjoy the show. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcoholic Live's Week 11 post-game show, Falcons vs. Saints. I am your host, Kevin Knight, joined by my co-host this evening, Adnan Ikic, at Say Which Way on Twitter. We are here to unfortunately recap what was a pretty painful game. Uh, not particularly enjoyable to watch. Even when the Falcons were leading early in the game, it was pretty much a struggle uh, to divine any sort of positive play. The offense was just completely inept. Um, I mean, it was boring. It was uninspired. Uh, there didn't seem to be any sort of attack plan uh, for going after a Saints secondary that you know is down a starter. Uh, there seemed to be no knowledge of the fact that the Saints are one of the NFL's best run defenses and we continued to try to run the ball right into them and that obviously didn't work out super well um uh yeah, there's a lot of issues in this game you know the defense obviously wasn't great uh too there, we're gonna get to all of them but there's there's a lot so like we might need your help guys to uh, remember all of the the mistakes because there were you know far too many to count on one hand but before we get into all that Adnan uh how are you doing today not so good. <laughs> Not great. I mean, don't get me wrong. When I woke up this morning, I was full of hope, full of optimism. You know, I was like, you know what? We, we have a, a real opportunity in this one. Uh, we're facing Taysom Hill. Um, Mario Kislatomore is out of, out of this one. Like, you, you know, we should we should win this game. Yeah. But, you know, that was a, that was a big mistake on my, my end. You know, here I thought that we'd come out of the bye week and look, you know, prepared. But we didn't. It looked like the same shit uh, from the first few weeks. Um, it this game really reminded me of uh, of that uh, Seahawks game in Week One. You know where the offense goes right downfield. You know hits a very big play, the one to Calvin Ridley. Uh, then they get stopped on. Uh, they get stopped uh, in before they get into the red zone or inside the red zone. They kick a field goal and you know the first half results in a very very close scoreline that you don't really feel good about and then the team just plays like shit in the entire second half like that was an absolute embarrassment um i think that this was the worst game they've played all season like through four quarters 
Uh, it was either this one or the Packers one. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably I, I, I'd lean toward this one more so. Um, the offense was just terrible. Yeah. Like the mm-hmm. offense, the offensive line was absolutely like an embarrassment in this one. They gave up eight sacks. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, and I've praised the offensive line the entire season. You know, it's like uh, they were they were playing well this season on uh, in pass protection, and not all of those sacks were their fault. Matt Ryan held the ball for way too long on a few of them, especially that one uh, toward the end of the half where we were in field goal range or, you know, right on the cusp of field goal range. Yeah. And, you know, he held the ball for like six seconds, got <laughs> sacked, uh, and we were just like driven out of field goal range. We could have taken a lead into the half the way Young Way Koo was kicking. Um, man, it, it's it's really like, it's really disappointing. It, I, I want to... I want to continue going through everything that went wrong, but there's just too much. <laughs> there's too like, much, yeah. I, there's too much. I feel like I, it, I could go the entire show of just like, just recapping everything that went wrong and everything that, and everything that was just like, terrible. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta like start. We gotta do this in an organized fashion, okay? Like, because we gotta start somewhere and like work our way through all the trash. Or else we're gonna get buried under the pile of trash and never be able to find our way out because it was bad. Like, the, like all the things you said, absolutely 100% agree with you. Like, we just, like, I, I don't exactly. It's like, where do you start with this game? Um, and we're, we're gonna figure that out. Give me a second to think about it. I do want to shout out Gary Stafford for the $10 donation. Thank you so much, brother. Thank Gary you, Stafford says, thanks for the show. I enjoy hearing your perspectives, Gary. We enjoy providing them and we really appreciate your support here on this show thank you sir uh also to chris who is a new subscriber uh so thank you chris um but yeah it like to me the most glaring thing has to be dirt cutter like we and i and like i talk about him every single week on this show and it doesn't seem to ever get better like it just seems like like i try like i think people were saying maybe a couple weeks ago and it's not everyone but you know I, some people were saying like oh you guys are being too negative or whatever like you know stop we're stop. not being negative enough <laughs> yeah clearly we, we weren't negative enough like we were we were like we were easy on them this week it was a hopeful show you know the title was they can beat the saints you know there's there's a chance and you know there was apparently not because that i mean i don't know if they cooked up that game plan like on the bus to new orleans or what because there was very little forethought in there i mean anyone could look at new orleans basic defensive statistics and tell you that they're a great run defense and they're a pretty average pass defense uh you know they've they've been pretty good at getting pressure as we saw in this game but the coverage can be lacking they can be taken advantage of and uh you know, we didn't really see that. We saw the Falcons basically just run their same offense, which is try to run as much as possible with Todd Gurley and Brian Hill and these running backs. And, you know, if you happen to get to third down, maybe throw the ball. Uh, but other than that... <laughs> it, it was the same thing where the first few scripted plays were were hopeful. You know, mm-hmm. we came out there with three straight play actions and we were, we were moving it down the field. Like, I felt like, all right, this will be one of those games where the offense just, like, moves it up and down the field on them. Uh, but then, just like every single game, they after those scripted plays ran out, ran their course. Then Dirk Cutter just went back into all right. Let's let's start running every single first down, every single second down. And the thing is, I as much as I want to completely blame him, I can't even blame him fully for this because the offensive line was just so bad. 
that every single time Matt Ryan dropped back to pass, he was getting pressured or he was getting hit. And, you know, you could tell that it had an effect on Matt Ryan because he was hearing footsteps toward the end of that game. And why wouldn't you? He, he took eight sacks. Like last last Thanksgiving against the Saints, they had, what, seven, eight sacks in that game too? Yeah, yeah. It was just like the offensive line was just an absolute disaster in this game. Uh, the defense, I mean, we haven't even gotten to the defense yet. <laughs> get, getting dissected by Taysom freaking Hill. Right. It, I, I mean, like, it just goes back to this is the most embarrassing team in professional sports. Yeah. Like, uh, given given those blown leads, you know, this season, and now losing to Taysom Hill, who, you know, NFL Twitter has been roasting for the past year. We, we made him look like a competent quarterback throughout the entire game. And I don't think he's going to look that good against anyone else because – it was just classic Falcon coverage. It was as if Dan Quinn was here and Raheem Morris. I don't want to hear another word about him <laughs> possibly being the yes. head coach. That was my best tweet of the day. It's like, oh, thank God we can at least put the like Raheem Morris is actually good takes to bed now. We can officially end that, you know, discussion. Um, <laughs> we can finally move on from the, you know, Spectre hanging over us of like, oh, well, maybe Raheem Morris will be the head coach in 2021. No, you can delete those takes. Those takes are gone. Okay, they're over. We're done here. Like, there is no Raheem Morris coaching in Atlanta going forward. Like, he has sealed his fate. Like, if you're going to blow a game, that's fine. Like, you can blow a game. Like, it happens. But, like, if you blow a game against the team's greatest rival coming off a bye, and the whole game is basically just a disaster, uh... You're not going to get a lot of leeway from that. So if you had to pick the worst game to blow, this is the one you couldn't blow. And he blew it in pretty mesmerizing fashion. So, uh, yeah. What a joker, man. I mean, it, it, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. I need to, like, take a second here to read some some donations. Uh, from Kushida, uh, $3. Thank you, brother. Uh, this is his comment. Uh Hey, I'm Dirk Cutter. Oh, it's Dirk. He's here. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Dirk. I'm and I'm good at math. I also have 600 plays in my playbook, but I like just three or four of them. My favorite play is to run up the middle, especially on second and long. It's so good. And play action is whack. Peace out. Yours truly, Dirk. Well, I always knew that Dirk Cutter watched. The I show. knew. I knew. And you know, I, I wish he just would take our advice to heart. That might help us out here. Um, also from. Uh, friend of the show now, I think it's official, George Costanza. Uh, our, maybe we should call him our benefactor at this point, but uh, George Costanza with the $5. <laughs> uh, George says, this show is going to be more entertaining than the entire game. I was so bored watching this that I was angry that my time was being wasted when I could have been doing something productive. At least we're tanking again. What a shit show. I agree, George. And again, uh, well, thank you, Well, I, I don't think it's a very high bar to, uh, to reach of this show being more entertaining than that <laughs> game. That was yeah. one of the least entertaining games I've seen all season. Pretty much. Uh, and welcome, obviously, to my other illustrious co-host, Eric Robinson. He's on Twitter at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. Eric, uh, it looks like the game's got you down, brother. How you doing? <laughs> 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 the games don't get me down anymore. 
Oh, okay. Okay. It's kind of it's just kind of dark in there, and you got the hood on and stuff, so I didn't know you. Oh, well, I, I like I, I have my my funk show in my, in my oh, Okay, room. I got you. Always dark. It's always kind of plus it's cloudy right now. Please. Yeah, yeah. It's like already but, dark here in Syracuse. But, but Eric, I thought we agreed that the Falcons had a chance at the playoffs this year. Who <laughs> we? I don't think that was Eric. Eric never said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait, that was just that was all me. We. <laughs> You're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, like I, I did look it up on 538 before the game, like what the chances of the Falcons were actually making the playoffs. They were 4%, by the way. Only uh, they were the second, they have the second lowest chance to make the playoffs of any team in the NFC that's not named the Panthers. Uh, and that's probably changed now after this loss, but uh, the Falcons had a lower chance to make the playoffs than like the Giants and the, you know, uh, Eagles and all those teams in the NFC East because the NFC East is a dumpster fire. So maybe that's not fair, but um, yeah, I it's mean, so uh, are we in fairness. Yeah, I mean we're pretty much a dumpster fire. So yeah, uh, you know we we got off our initial salvo of anger, uh, Eric. But I wanted to give you a chance to also you know air your your grievances with this game. <laughs> How long you got yet? <laughs> Let's see, where do I start? Um, Dirk Cutter is putrid, okay? He is quite possibly one of the worst play calls in the league. Um, there's nothing about this man. There's nothing. I don't get the reputation he has. I really yeah. don't. Understand it. I don't understand it at all. He has a reputation around the league as being one of one of the more innovative play callers, his scheme is respected widely around the league, but I don't understand what that. I don't know if he poisoned these people or what. Man. <laughs> I, I would like to say I have a working theory that that's defensive coordinators propping up his reputation so he keeps getting Quite dropped. Possibly. Quite possibly. I don't may, may That may be the case, but this guy, he doesn't belong in the NFL. <laughs> I, I, not even as, not even as a position coach, honestly. I don't think he belongs in the NFL at all. I think he proved that in Tampa. I think he's burying, you know, he's he's burying that that um, that out- outlook on him right now. Like he's just he's laying at the bed at this point. It's just, bro, you are horrendous. He does not belong in the NFL at all. Um, and I hope the Falcons rightfully move away from him this offseason. And I hope the other thirty-one teams pay attention and say, you know what, Dirk. Take your ass back to Idaho because you're terrible. You're, he, he belongs on a ranch in the middle of Idaho right now. Um, oh, man. Back to Idaho. Get out of here, Dirk. <laughs> go home. Go home. Like, there's nothing about you that just says he's reliable. Um, you know, the defense. The defense shit the bed. Let's just be honest. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that was, like, not unexpected, but. It wasn't. Um you know, coming into today, I, I started having that funny feeling in my stomach. Leading up to the week, I was like, okay, I think I think these guys can put together something. But when today, when I woke up today, I just had that funny feeling in my stomach. Like, and then I tweeted it like minutes before the game. Like, Taysom Hill is going to look great today. Isn't it? Like, it's just <laughs> now he didn't look great. He didn't look like a, a quarterback that I'll be willing to hand the keys over to because he was playing the Falcons defense, but. This defense really, like, why – what the hell did you guys do for two weeks? Right. Yeah, like, what, what were you doing? Like, 
I mean, it's the same shit under Dan Quinn, right? I mean, they just like twiddle their thumbs over the bye week. Everyone's like taking a break or something. They did absolutely nothing that I saw them do for them to go three and one. Nothing. I didn't see the blitz. I didn't see. Um, I didn't see the execution in the passing game. I didn't see the offensive line holding up in pass coverage. I didn't see the ways of getting Hayden Hurst involved early. I didn't, I didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. I didn't see absolutely nothing that we saw in the four games prior to this. Mm-hmm. Like they look dreadful all the way through. The only, yeah. the best player on the field for the Falcons today was Young Way Koo. <laughs> Young Hero Koo. That best player <laughs> in, with this so much talent on this team, the best player on the field today for the Falcons was the damn kicker. <laughs> hey, we hey, got one good player. Yarders. He did. He's been like honestly, like I think people were pretty nervous about how he would do over the course of a whole season here. And like that's one thing we can say is like it looks like Koo has really like entrenched himself, you know, as the starter and he's been great. And he's also the NFL's best onside kicker. So like that's always nice to have too. So yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he did his job. Mm-hmm. He did what he was supposed to do. Um, yeah. I, you know, there's like, like we started off on the show. Well, like you guys started off as far as talking about the playoffs and stuff like that. Like, it's just, I never really had that in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really hope whoever did like just fucking take, just take that. <laughs> take that L. Yeah. Put it out of his misery and mm-hmm. leave it alone. Um, I, I, even if this team were to make the playoffs, man, it would be an embarrassing loss. Yeah. In round. I just, yeah but nine and seven will, technically get us in this season (laughs) you're telling me there's a chance yeah no i mean like honestly like i don't know what it is with this team and this whole coaching staff and like um i'm trying to remember who exactly asked let me scroll up yeah um yeah so falcons for life asked us you know basically we can all you know can we all agree that the whole coaching stuff has to go and the answer is yes but like the answer is yes for a long day yeah we've been saying that since last year but like Why the hell is is Raheem Morris coming out after the team is three and six, barely holding on to defeat the Denver Broncos and saying, Oh yeah, the dirty birds are back. We're back. Like, you don't got shit to celebrate. You're three and six, brother. Like <laughs> like why are we patting ourselves on the back for three and six? Like, it's like they, they love to smell their own farts or something. It, it's like, oh, yeah, I got to come out here and talk bad, mad shit about how we beat the Broncos barely after, like, holding them to no points in the first half. We let them score, you know, 21 points in the fourth quarter. We should celebrate. The Dirty Birds are back. Like, I mean, it, it's a joke. Like, what are we doing out there that you feel like it's okay to go and try to go on this celebration tour and try to hype up the team when you're three and six, like I get Raheem, maybe you're not three and six. You've only controlled the team for four games. If this was the beginning of the season and they were three and one, yeah, talk your shit. But guess what? You're not. If we, like, if we want to be honest, we can go back to the last game and uh, they needed uh, they needed the Broncos to lay an egg on the final drive of the game in order for them to win that game. So let's yeah. not even let's not sit here and act like you guys been blowing people out while going three and one. Like you guys really. You hung on against Denver, mm. um, hung on against Carolina, and who else did they beat? Uh, Minnesota. Uh, yeah, Minnesota. Yeah. The dumpster you fire know? team. Yeah, yeah, a dumpster fire team who were who made some plays in the second half. But you know, it's whatever, man. Like this team, 
this team, this franchise, like we, we all three of us felt that way before coming into this game. We felt like they needed a complete change. Like there was, at the most, we felt like, okay, maybe keep Raheem as a DC, but everybody else needs to go. After today, I'm not even quite sure if that should be possible. Right. Um, because there's, he, he did exactly what Dan Quinn would do. You see something successful, it works. You face an opponent where that particular concept can actually work and you don't execute it. Yep. I would have I blitzed the living hell out of Taysom Hill today. If he beats us escaping from the pocket, so be it. He beats us escaping from the pocket. Right. I would have blitzed the holy hell out of him today. I think I may have seen a handful of blitz. I don't know if you guys saw. I'll start watching the fourth quarter anyway, but yeah. It, I don't get it. That that same mentality carried over from Dan Quinn, who's now in, not even with the team anymore, and it's translated over to Raheem Morris. Like, I agree. Fire Dan Quinn again after that game. Yes, posthumous. Yeah, like like post after you've already been fired. Like fire him again, just for like you know dramatic effect. Yeah. Um, I I agree, and I'll take it a step further. I don't think anyone on the coaching staff or the front office who was associated with this season should be back moving yeah. forward. Clean yeah. house completely, every single one of them. Yep. And, you know, go this team, I've been saying it for weeks, we've been saying it for weeks, it needs a full, complete reset in, and a complete culture change at this point. We, and that's not going to happen. That doesn't happen, oh, yeah, week to week. All right, next week, all right, we have a new team culture. We're not this laughing stock that blows leads and loses games to Taysom Hill. Like, no, this is your identity. This is who you are. This a, a team, coach, a, this a coach team, doesn't change over four games. This team needs a full change, and it's it's going to take a lot. Uh, yeah. I I don't even think that it can fully happen over the course of one off season either. Yeah. Like It'll this team is absolutely. You don't think what can happen? The culture changing. A it's full culture change. Yes. Well, I, w- I would say this. At least they're in a situation right now where, okay, for example, the Jets need a culture change. But that roster is bad. At least with the Falcons. At least they're in a situation where they need a culture change. But they got some pieces that they can actually keep mm-hmm. and hang on and actually win with. Of course, of course, it starts with Matt Ryan. Didn't right. have the biggest game today. But, of course, the offensive line played like, you know, a bunch of pansies today. They just gave – everybody gave up a damn sack. That's what it felt like. Every offensive line gave up one sack today. Um, Of course, Julio. Of course, Ridley. Of course, Hurst. Um, Lindstrom is coming into his own on the defensive side of the ball. A.J. Terrell continues to prove why he's one of the better defenders on this team. Brady Jerry. Yeah, Foy. It was not a situation where, because most times when we see teams that need a culture change, it's a culture change that needs to start from the front office all the way down to the roster. This is a situation where the front office and the coaching staff needs it, but they can still hang on to a couple of these pieces. Right. Yeah, I'm not saying trade Matt Ryan and blow him. That's that's not possible either way. You heard it here first. I'm going to clip that. Uh, Anand says trade Matt Ryan. (laughs) I just wanted the listeners to understand that that's not what we're talking about. Like, they don't need to scrub the team from top to bottom. They just really need to front office, coaching staff, and keep a few pieces here on the roster. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. All right, I got a few. Decent situation that a lot of teams don't see. Yeah, I mean, honestly, they're not in bad shape. They're not. We're going to get to that for sure. I got some donations here to read off uh, from Michael Zurich. $3. Thank you, brother. We, rep- we appreciate you. Uh, he says, while Matt Ryan played poorly today, would you say that this is an entire team loss? The entire team yeah. looked horrible to oh, me. For All- sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, also, is it time to get angry at Arthur Blank? for blowing another year of Matt Ryan's career by letting Quinn stay this season. Oh, yeah, we're, we're way past that. Yeah. yeah we were mad last year. Yeah, yeah well, we were mad over the offseason when he kept Dan Quinn. Yeah, we were, yeah. And we were pissed during the 0-5 start. We were, we were throwing daggers his way, too. So, yeah, we're, well, we're past I, I think the absolute latest you could have kept Dan Quinn was through week two. After that Dallas mm-hmm. game, he should have been gone. After, yeah. Like, no exceptions. Yep. And instead, it, it was completely like blown through the own five start. So yes, yeah. Arthur Blank doesn't get a pass. Yeah. I said it like he leads his football team is the laughing stock of professional oh, yeah. sports. I tweeted yeah. it out like it, he he deserves his brunt of this blame. He does, he does. absolutely. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we got another uh, donation from George Costanza. Another five dollars, brother. Thank you, uh, thank you so much. Uh, so <laughs> this is him speaking as Dirk. Okay, I use Madden, and it said halfback slam. Matt Ryan says, but it's second and 11. Dirk and his Emperor Palpatine voice. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do this. Hold on, give me a second. Uh, do it. <laughs> I don't know. It's, uh, you guys have to tell me how that sounds over, over the microphone. But uh, No, but seriously, how does this guy have a job? There's videos on Pornhub with people who suck less than Dirk Cutter. That's a good line. Yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, oh my God. That's, a good, that's a good seg into more Dirk Cutter slander. Like... I mean, it's 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 really bad, and like I I know you guys read the site, so you probably got to read my article this week where I really broke down Dirk Cutter's offenses, and this is a pattern, you know, this is a pattern with him and his offenses um, that he puts up a lot of yards, you know, has a lot of talent, but he doesn't score at the same level. Like his his yardage always outperforms. His scoring, um, and in some years it's really egregious. Like um, we've got, you know, 2018 and 2019, both pretty bad examples for him um, because the team is really good in yardage, you know, top five in yardage, uh, but they're more like 13th in scoring, so they're kind of average at scoring. Um, and the reason is that the red zone efficiency is awful. <laughs> In 2018, the Falcons were 25th in red zone efficiency, which for those that don't know, red zone efficiency is the percentage uh, of times that you go to the red zone and score a touchdown. Uh, the Falcons were 20, uh, 25th in 2018, and they were currently 27th in 29, uh, 20, or excuse me, 2019 and then 27th in 2020 this year so far. That went down with this game, so they'll be even worse after this game, obviously, because they didn't score any touchdowns. Um, but this is something he's done... Basically, every year of his career, there's been a few exceptions, like 2012. Um, you know, he actually had a good red zone efficiency. But if you compare Cutter's best years to the best years of, like, Steve Sarkeesian in 2018, for example, uh, Kyle Shanahan in 2016, obviously he's nowhere close to that. And then even Mike Malarkey in 2010, I think I would take all of those seasons. So Sarkeesian in 2018... Shanahan 2016, obviously. And also Mike Malarkey in 2010. 
I would say all of those seasons were more impressive, statistically speaking, than Dirk Cutter's best year in 2012. Were the Falcons, they were top five in red zone in Sarkeesian's last year, were they not? They were 11th, but um, their scoring, they were they were in the top 10. Yeah. They were 11th in red zone or scoring? They were 11th in red zone efficiency. Uh, they were fourth in scoring efficiency, which includes field goals, too. Um, That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, like, they were good. Like, 2018, they were legitimately good, especially when you compare it to 2017, where, like, Sarkeesian in 2017 looked a lot like Dirk Cutter. Like, his offense put up a lot of yardage. The points weren't there. The red zone efficiency was bad. But it was, in 20, it, was it, over, it was overlooked because of the defense. Yeah, the, the yeah. Play from the defense. Exactly. Where they were like 35 a game. Yeah, but then in 2018, with like a ridiculous number of injuries on both sides of the ball, the team was a disaster. His red zone efficiency was really much improved. The offense as a whole was much improved. And then they fired him to hire Dirk goddamn Cutter. <laughs> like, I don't know what else I don't know what else to say about that. They, they almost... They flirted with Daryl Bevel yeah. as well before hiring Cutter. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who's worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this team was, I mean, this this front office was going to put this team in a bind regardless, whatever direction they went, because yeah. they, didn't even, they didn't even consider anybody anybody strong as far as the play caller goes. So no. um, it's just, and, and the, I've been getting some, I've been getting some flack for the, I guess the head coaching articles that I put out where I painted the picture that if they were to hire an officer head coach, more than likely he's going to be the play caller. All three that I've, that I've named candidates are better play callers than dirt better. So don't sit here and tell me, no, we don't want that guy. Damn that. I'd rather have Arthur Smith right now. Right. I mean, like, I mean, exactly. Like, I don't know what, what was the idea? Like, I guess if you were going to get Kubiak, like maybe we could justify it, but like, it doesn't seem like they were really that serious about Kubiak. Like as soon as Denver said, actually, no, they were like, okay, well, Dirk Cutter, come on. Um, like it just seems to me like they just didn't want to keep Sark for one reason or the other. They scapegoated him obviously, but like he improved. Like, I don't, I think like even at the time, like that we, we thought they fired Sark for Gary Kubiak and we were excited about that. But like, Looking back with the gift of hindsight, like firing Sark for Dirk Cutter or Daryl Bevel or someone else of that caliber, like what the what the hell was the strategy there? Like this is also the same front office that was like, oh well, we have to bring back everyone for 2020 because continuity, but like we can't keep the people in 2018 because you know we don't actually want continuity. Like it's just all a bunch of PR nonsense. Like you fire the guy that actually improved and had a great year. So you could scapegoat him and say it's not Quinn's fault that this team lost, even though we all know it was because of the injuries. It was obvious it was the injuries. Like, now I'm also wondering, was the firing of Mark Marquand Manuel justified also? Because, I mean, it was mm-hmm. the same story. No, it, it was. They were both scapegoated for Dan Quinn. Well, you know, right, they Dan- were scapegoated, but I look at it and say, okay, you know, the firing of Marquand. Well, the defense was, you know, historically bad. But at the same time, we look at it, and there really wasn't much of an improvement in the defense from 2018 to 2019 to this year, to be quite honest with you. So, right. you know, how how much better would the – I guess what I'm, what I'm saying is how much better would the team be if they really would have stuck with both? Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. With Sark and Manuel, and just let them ride it out because you got to keep in mind, man. Those, both of those guys were first-time coordinators yeah. ever. Yeah, I think I, significantly yeah. better because you would have had actual continuity with Sark. Like he yeah. was, he was getting, getting a better. better feel for it. Yeah. And I was for making the replacement if we brought in a Kubiak or if we brought in, yeah. you know, a right. brilliant offensive mind. Yeah. But you know, I don't think we can consider Cutter a brilliant <laughs> offensive mind. No, it was like a. It was like like I wonder if Sark was like starting to question the defensive coaching because the defense was so bad, and they were like, "Actually, get the hell out! Like, we don't have to take lip from you, Sark. Like, who are you? You have a you have a drinking problem. Get out of here!" Like, you what, know. what's also gets me is the fact that they they defended that Cutter offense in Tampa, and you know, fairly often defended it well and beat it, and yet they said. Yeah, let's bring him to Atlanta. <laughs> you know what defense I really like? <laughs> that dirt cutter offense. Yeah. Said no coach ever. Like <laughs> you guys played fairly well and, you know, had had Jameis committing turnovers and you but Mike Evans wasn't really much of a factor in a number of those games. And you decided, like, yeah, let's hire that guy. Yeah, what? that guy. I miss playing those Tampa teams. You know, you had Dirk Cutter as the head coach. You had Mike Smith as the defensive coordinator. It's like you, you knew that you were just going to have a great weekend when you oh, played. I remember that, that first game in 2018 where um, that was the game where they tried that, that lateral play with Deshaun Jackson at the, at the last play of the game. Yeah, that almost worked. Yeah. And, and that almost, it almost worked. But at the same time, it's like, man, you handcuffed that offense for most of the game. And you still sat here and said, Okay, let's hire this guy. Let's bring him to Atlanta. I don't, I don't get it. Like that's... It, yeah, it didn't make any sense then. It doesn't make any sense now. It's, it's like it, it's really just, it's really just a microcosm of the whole issue with this team, which is that everyone's, like, I, I don't know what, I don't know what the big issue is, like in terms of can I point to one specific thing? But what I can tell you is that th- people weren't doing the best thing for the team. They were doing the best thing for what they thought would help them, like. And, you know, like, I don't know that Dan Quinn was angling for any of his coaches to be fired, but, you know, maybe Dimitrov was. Maybe Dimitrov thought it reflected poorly on him and he wanted them out. I mean, I don't know. Does it matter, though? Like, you made the wrong call. Like, you made the wrong call then. You made the wrong call in 2019 when you kept everyone. Like, the whole thing was bad. And the only the only thing that gives me any sort of hope is that perhaps now, you know, we've seen that, like, we can't this way doesn't work anymore. Like we have to go in a totally different direction. Hopefully that means offensive head coach. So we don't have to have this goddamn discussion every two years about who's the next offensive coordinator to come in here because they either got, did a great job and got poached or they did terribly. And we had to fire them and start over again. Like, I mean, the whole, the whole thing is, is just a disaster, but, um, you know, specifically to do with this game, uh, I mean, this was just Dirk Cutter as a microcosm of one game. Like, his scheme provides no help to anyone in the offense. The, 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 the routes were so vanilla. By the end of the game, the Saints the Saints were just, they were all over the routes before they even got run. Like, it was, it was a joke. 
And I and I think one thing that bugs me probably the most about Dirk Cutter, and I say this all the time when it comes to play callers, I say this all the time when it comes to the NFL, the lack of adjustments bothers me the most. And in this game, in this day and age, you have to be able to adjust on the fly. You cannot stick to your original game plan. There's no way teams the successful teams stick to their game plan for 16 straight games there's no way you have to you have to adjust accordingly and he does not i don't understand i do not understand you come out in the second half you're running play action passes in the second half when Gurley has five fucking carries like what are you doing (laughs) i mean yeah i i honestly just i don't i don't really see that's the problem like there's no cohesive strategy like Maybe you could claim to be ignorant of analytics in, like, 2012 when it was kind of, like, a a niche thing that no one was really into yet. But, like, in 2020, like, there are some obvious things that you can do. Yeah. Like, and and he's not doing them. (laughs) The Saints, they don't telegraph. I mean, they they don't disguise their blitzes. They're pretty telegraphed. You know Mm -hmm. who's coming and where they're coming from. You pretty much know what down they're going to come. Why does Matt not have a hot read? Yeah, what the hell was that? This man didn't call a single hot route the whole game. Like, why does he not? Why does he not have a hot read? Why does he, if he see Chauncey Gardner Johnson coming on that on that blitz, he needs to have a hot read in his mind. All right, hey, whatever, whatever the the signal would be. Hey, hot read, hot read, boom. Like, it's I don't I don't get it. No, third and and eleven, they're coming with the blitz, and you're running fifteen yard post routes. I don't what what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it was like I can't remember there was like that one where there was like three ten yard curls on third and three and that was like all the routes. Like it just like who who designed this? Like did you just like draw yeah. this up on your etch a sketch like at yeah. halftime? Yeah, I get it. I get it. There are some plays, there's some sacks that Matt had where he just he he honestly held on the ball too. I would how many times did he get sacked total today? Was it eight? Yeah. Eight. 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 I would say four was on him. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's fair. That's very fair. But I will also say that just looking from the replay of a lot of his sacks, there are times where he's waiting for the route to develop. And there's no, like, these routes are taking too long to develop because you're calling post routes. You're calling corner routes. You're calling, I, I don't get it. Like, you you know they're coming on a blitz, dude. And it's just, yes. he doesn't. They, they weren't hiding it. Like, I don't know how this team week after week is so underprepared for the blitz. Like, you know the Saints blitz. They blitz all the goddamn time. It's like a key part of their defense. Like, and they, they don't disguise it. They no. tell you you're going to do it, and they come. Like, it's yeah. just. It's not, it's not a secret. Like, this is not some random surprise that the Saints are going to blitz you. Like, it, it, and. I just, I guess he just doesn't know what to do. Like, if he sees someone blitzing, he's like, "Oh, well, we better go into max protect and have two receivers run routes." Like, that's not how you stop a blitz cutter. That's not how you stop a blitz. I see a blitz coming. I'm, I'm going to a hot route. I'm calling. I'm, I'm getting Ridley on a shallow drag, and then just let him work. Yeah. I mean, let me hit him on a shallow drag for four yards and say, "Hey, bro, if you can get that first down, get it." 
But guys, let's be fair here. It's not like Cutter had an extra week or anything right, yeah. for this game. To watch tape or like, you know, make a game plan. Like, you know, he's only got oh, a few no. days. Oh, wait, I'm yeah. sorry. Hold on. I'm guys, getting guys, I'm getting something. The, the yeah. weather was so nice in Atlanta the past week. I, you really I, expecting I, I to stay you, inside? Reported by, by Falcons reporter William McFadden that he watched plenty of film against yes. the Saints this week. I don't know what, what film he was watching. He was <laughs> watching movies. That's what he meant. Maybe, Maybe. he was hitting up that uh, Pornhub, as that other guy said. <laughs> 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 using the team's wi-fi you know that's that's not allowed okay you, you can't did do you that fall, did you fall asleep in the middle of watching this film like yeah. what happened oh, the, the game ended that's that counts Bro, yeah i'm just there there were some beautiful november days in georgia do you really expect them to sit inside and watch film like come on guys he's out yeah. fishing Look, who who's yeah. among us could could bother like spending yeah. time game planning Probably. over a bye week you know Georgia has those beautiful brown trees. <laughs> like, we have so many trees, you know, so much nature to enjoy. Like, yes. the, the wife Come is on. trying to remind him, like, hey, honey, you have a game on Sunday. Oh, yeah, you I, might. I don't know. You know, honey, maybe you want to do some of these hot routes here. Maybe he just left the hot route page back in, back in his I'm house or something. I thought I thought you said hot ones. I, yeah, I was watching that on Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the hot route. <laughs> I'm the hot route. I'm dirt cut. I gotta read. I gotta read uh, Tyler Russell's donation. Three dollars, brother. Thank you, Tyler. Long time viewer. Uh, Tyler says, "Can't wait to hear Keenan's take this week." Oh yeah, me too, brother. We hope to hope to have him on here on Wednesday. Uh, o line was trash today. Agree with you guys about 2018. I want to hear Keenan's take on the O line. Oh, I do. I want to hear Keenan's take yeah. on everything. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stats show Manuel and Sark were not the problems. Yeah, I mean they weren't really. I mean. I mean, maybe you could say Manuel was the problem. Maybe if, Manuel, yes. But like, it was it was injuries also. But, but that and again, he was a first year defense coordinator. I'm yeah. not going to say like, all right, man, this guy needs to go. I'm just saying like, there there was probably some times in that 2018 season where you kind of need to loosen the reins a little bit on Manuel. It's, yeah. It's just he. Yeah, I would have kept him, but I would have told him like, hey, man, this is what we're going to do. We're going to yeah. fix things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Marquand went from in 2017 being a, a hot young head coaching candidate potentially to just in a year being out of a job. Like, yeah. that's, is he now? Anyone knows? He's like he's a position coach somewhere. I think I forget where. I mean, hell, if Mike Nolan can get defensive coordinator jobs, Marquand Manuel is going to get another defensive coordinator job. Okay, so somewhere, <laughs> Mike, Mike, no, yeah, Dan Quinn will probably be a defensive coordinator next year, man. Unless he wants to coach in college, he'll probably be a head coach in college if he wants I mean, to be. There are a number of oh man, these stats are ugly. Two of fourteen on third down. Hmm. Four point two yards per play. Oof. Uh three point seven yards per carry. Only ran the ball fourteen times on the day. Uh four point four yards per pass. Oof. Good good God. That's pretty gross. Yeah. Solaire sure. reminds us that uh Marquand Manuel's in Philly. He's in yeah. Philly? Yeah, he's in Philly on their staff. I don't know, defensive coaching of some kind? That defense is not <laughs> That's not great. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 0 for 1 in the red zone. Um, it's just there's there's really no positives to hang your hat on. But, but those punts were absolutely beautiful from Hoffrichter. And, you know, young oh, yeah. boy, cool, it's been cool. Hey, we got to really evaluate the special teams. Yeah. So that, there's our positive perspective. Those yeah. guys win offensive and special team players of the week. Yeah. Bro, young young Waiku on that first fifty yarder, like it's like he was just having fun with it. It just yeah. started out completely to the right and just yeah. like finished right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Like that was beautiful. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it was it was just a really gross game all around and like we're gonna have some more like pointed specific critiques of individual plays and such like on Wednesday because, you know, there were so many bad plays, it's hard to like actually remember which one. Real quickly, I wanted to yeah, point yeah. out and I you know, I guess you and you guys know, you guys pay attention to a lot of football, so I guess when it comes to this team and their and their starts to a game, you know, if if they really like, I, and and this is something we've seen, of course, during the Quinn era, hell, we've seen it in the Mike Smith era, and we're starting to see it now in the Raheem Morris era. The slow starts, like there's no recovery from those slow starts for this team. So I hate to say it, but the first half usually dictates how this game is going to where this game is going to be won or lost for the Falcons. Like it's just this team has shown a complete inept of ineptitude of having a bad start but recovering from it. Like, okay, we're gonna come out in the second half, we're playing a little bit better, able to get a win that way. No, that pretty much if if they <laughs> if Young Way Koo has the only scores for the team in the first half, they're probably gonna lose the game. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Yeah. Um and that's another thing that I wanna see fixed. Like I, I this team should not be dependent on a hot start to win the game. Yeah. That that bugs me, especially with a team full of veterans. That that bothers me too. Yeah. You know. Um, That's yeah. You're right though. That's basically their only play is like, let's hope we get up to a big lead and don't blow it. Like that's basically their yeah. only chance they still at winning. Almost blow it every single. Oh yeah, time. they still do. Don't yeah. blow it. They come this close to blowing yeah. it every yeah. single time. When's the last time the Falcons had a comfortable win? How many times? Right. How many games I, have Minnesota, played? right? They didn't blow it. They yeah. they actually were pretty comfortable in Minnesota. But how many times have we seen this team get off to a poor start in the first quarter or the first half, and we actually say, "Okay, I still feel confident they can pull this out." Like it's is really rare. Yeah. Really rare. Like if they don't have any offensive touchdowns or no big plays in that first half, they're probably going to lose. It hasn't yeah. been since 2017 that I felt that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a long time. I mean, it, it it's been really bad. You know, it's been it's been quite bad. It's been quite bad. Um, all right, we're gonna go for a little bit longer here, folks. But before we do, I just want to remind you guys, uh, to throw a like at the video. That helps uh, other folks on YouTube find it. So we appreciate that. Um, and then also, if you don't, if you're not already subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Uh, that'll uh, give you notifications anytime we go live. And a reminder that we have shows on Wednesday nights as well. Uh, those are a lot of fun too so make sure you join us for that uh, everyone seems to have found the, the donation link I've been putting it in the description of the show so I know some people were saying they didn't know what the link was it is in the show description as well so thank you guys again for that and uh, also to Michael Zurich for another $2 brother thank you so much uh, Michael says another tip just for you guys being the most reasonable post game show around I know Adnan is a major closet shop supporter but I can forgive that also to Brandon Powell's brother, we will stop match job season. Also to Brandon Powell's brother, we will stop trashing him when he stops being trashed. Yeah, I did. I did say that Brandon Powell's brother has been coming after me pretty hard. So, uh, you know, thank hey, you guys. Brandon Powell's brother and uh, Isaiah Oliver's father. Yeah, yeah, so, Isaiah you know, Oliver's making... father, uh, frequent viewer of the show. So uh, we got to be careful with our Oliver slander. That dude looks pretty ripped. We so. haven't had any Oliver slander in a few weeks. Yeah, honestly, Oliver's been the least of our worries. Yeah, it, uh, in been, recent in recent days. Okay. So. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just really sad to see the t- the team like this. Like they should be so much better. They have the offensive talent to be this really good unit, and it's just being held back constantly by Dirk Cutter, like constantly. Um, 
And I just don't really know, you know, there, there's nothing you can really do about that. Like, we know Dirk Cutter's not willing to change his scheme, even slightly. Like, he could do little things, like say, we're just going to make a conscious decision to try not to run on second and long. Like, we're just going to try to throw the ball more on second and long because analytics says it's a good idea. Okay, cool. He could make little changes. Like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to add some more pre-snap motion. We don't really need to change the play. We'll just do some pre-snap motion before the play, you know, because analytics says that's really what successful offenses do. But he, he's just so reluctant to do a goddamn thing. And that's the big problem here. It's that old school coaching mentality of, oh, my scheme is the best. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to adjust. And uh, we're going we're gonna to live and die with my scheme. We saw it with Dan Quinn in his uh, vanilla cover four, or vanilla rush four, cover three defense. Uh, we see it with so many of these dinosaur head coaches who end up losing their jobs to, you know, never coach again. And it's just the good coaches adjust. Like we saw how many times did we see in 2016 uh, Kyle Shanahan making his adjustments mid-game. You know, Sean McVay, when the Rams had that, you know, very good offensive line and they were hindered by by their O-line last season a bit. But Sean McVay, a head coach who who has those adjustments, who, you know, takes what the defense gives him. Mm -hmm. And we just haven't seen that in Atlanta. And, you know, that's... That's that's what'll cost you a job, and that's what'll result in you not not calling any more plays for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It, it's it's so frustrating being a fan of this team, uh, and it, like part of the part of the reason it is so difficult is because we care. Like we do care. We want them to be good. We want all the players here to succeed. Um, and it's you know it sucks when they don't. You know it sucks when you got all these first round picks busting out like. Uh, you know, Tack McKinley, for example, someone brought him up in the chat. Like, he just, you know, he just basically turns against the team because he's not playing well and the team's not, I guess, giving him what he wants. And, you know, he, he played himself out of the NFL quite possibly with his antics yeah, since then. I mean, he so. showed us, though, by He did. He did. He, he really stuck it to the Falcons by failing those physicals, you know. So, not my problem anymore. But, uh, yeah, it's just, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. We got a, a tip from Kenny G., three dollars thank you so much brother we appreciate your support uh kenny g says love the show interested to hear your guys thoughts on this so i love me some matty ice but do you believe the culture can be fully changed with him as the quarterback i feel like cultures change with the quarterback also um i mean in some way like matt ryan is definitely involved with this team's overall culture like he's a key part of it uh it's hard to discern like like, do I blame the team blowing leads on Matt Ryan? Absolutely not. Like, I don't think that really has much to do with him. Um, but, like, this team will never be completely different without Matt Ryan. I don't know that it's bad that Matt Ryan sticks around. Like, his influence might be a very large positive overall, whereas some of these other forces might be more of a negative. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the culture can't be fully changed with Matt Ryan still here. Like, he's an in- integral part of the culture. I mean, it's the same thing with, like, Julio Jones, too. Like, these are key cornerstone players of your team. They're part of your culture, and the culture will never be totally different with them here. I don't think it's a bad thing, um, but I don't know. What, what do you guys think about that? As far as what? Like, do you think that we need to, to move on from Matt Ryan to really have an effective culture change, I guess? Yeah. Okay. No, not because of today. Like, why would today? Not necessarily today, but just in general. Like, 
do you feel like this team can actually make the necessary culture changes while keeping Matt Ryan? Because he is probably such a large part of this team's culture. Probably so. Um, but, you know, I because there's been so much that's been occurring with him. Um, there's been so much that's been occurring with him where he's not at fault with the team's losses. And there's plenty, there's plenty of evidence. I would understand if it was – Plenty of occurrences where we saw, like, okay, Matt Ryan is deteriorating. He's not the same quarterback. But we saw even before today, the guy was still top five in passing. Like, he's yeah. still getting the job done. So, no, I can't sit here and say we need to move on from him to embrace the entire culture because he hasn't been the main reason why they've lost in, a, in recent years, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. And also, like, one way or another, Matt Ryan is not going to be here long long term like right. you know he is what how old is Matt Ryan 37 yeah I mean he's probably got like I think he's like 35 yeah he's probably got yeah, like five years yeah. yeah he still has like a few years left but it's like we're, we're not looking at it like oh Matt Ryan's gonna be here a decade from now like you know slinging it at age 40 it would be very impressive if he was right but um but yeah no I don't I don't think you need I think it goes back to Eric's point earlier where you you don't need to completely reshape this entire roster and that includes Matt Ryan to have the necessary culture change and you know either way you're not you can't get rid of Matt Ryan even if you wanted to you know in theory because of the dead cap hit like we've it feels like every single week we we make the point of of the dead cap where mm-hmm. you know Matt Ryan can't go anywhere because you're not going to eat so much money in in dead salary cap so you know it's a long-winded answer but to to summarize it no we don't need to replace matt ryan to have the necessary culture change yeah and like they might draft a quarterback you know this this draft like they could um you know it it depends on a lot of things like the new coach and where they end up i mean like right now that with them picking 10 like it, it looks like they're they're in a great position to get, you know, possibly Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or one of those kind of tier two guys. Um, they could also be in a great position to trade out of that pick to, like, the Bears at 16, the Patriots at 15, um, San Francisco at 12. Like, you know, I think basically if the Falcons stay about where they are in the draft order, which I think is pretty likely... Um, they're going to be one of those key players for the quarterbacks, either in taking one themselves or in trading that pick away. And I think that it's really smart that they did raise the specter of possibly drafting a quarterback, and that gives them a ton of leverage with that pick because they don't have to depend on like the team behind them needing a quarterback to make that pick tradable. They could be threatening that, like, okay, if, if someone doesn't make us a good enough offer, like, we're going to take Zach Wilson or we're going to take Trey Lance because, you know, this is the best value for us at this spot unless you can make us a great deal. Like, we're just going to take the quarterback we want. Um, so I think strategically that's smart. Yeah, and I think a lot of that depends on, you know, who's the next guy in charge. I think the likelihood that whoever's hired is probably going to be a first-time head coach. Um, and in all likelihood, he's going to look at the situation. Same thing goes with the GM as well. They're going to look at the situation. They're going to say, hey, we're going to have to need a quarterback in a couple of years anyway. Mm-hmm. Why not get one now right. and just let him fit? Yeah. Oh, and have you seen the schedule? We're probably going to be picking closer to the, to the top five than we are the back end of 10. Absolutely, yeah. They're going to be – they're definitely going to be in the top 10 this year, without a doubt. Um, yeah. 
that's just my way of thinking. If I were a new head coach or a new GM coming into this situation, I said I might as well just get one now. Exactly what Green Bay is doing. They got Jordan Love. They said, look, Aaron Rodgers is still our guy. You sit and wait and look at. I mean, they're seven and what seven and two, first place in the NFC. So didn't hurt them. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So I mean, yeah, like, and that's the thing. Like, I I don't think it's like a bad decision to take a quarterback. Like. It just depends on how the draft board falls, where your position, and what the new head coach wants. Like, I mean, that's basically what we're what we're looking at. Um, it's very much on the table. It's very much on the table that the Falcons could trade down. Like, if if like if they're at that ten spot and Zach Wilson or Trey Lance is still there, like, there's a lot of teams that are going to be thirsty for that pick. Like the Bears, the Patriots, like. So they could, you know, maybe they the calculus is like, oh, we can get additional first-round picks if we trade down, or we can take this quarterback to sit him for three years. Maybe the calculus shifts at that point to taking the picks and doing the rebuild. I mean, I don't know. It just depends on what you're offered and what the situation is at your pick. But, like, it can both things can be true, right? And we've talked about this earlier in the year. Like, it can be true that Matt Ryan is a fine starter for this team. They don't really need to move on from him. And it can also be true that the best pick for this team, depending on where they're drafting, might be a quarterback. Those two things can be true at the same time. Um, right. So it just depends on a lot of factors. And quite frankly, heading into week 12, we don't have enough information to say definitively that one or the other is the better choice at this point. Like, there's just too much open-ended. So, right. Um, all right, guys. So we're going to wrap up here soon. Uh before we do that, again, guys, if you don't mind throwing a like at the video, we really appreciate that. It helps other folks on YouTube find the show. And again, subscribe if you're not already subscribed. Get those sweet, sweet notifications on YouTube. And uh, join us on Wednesdays for our other shows as well. Um, so before we get out of here, I want to give my co-host a chance to get a final word in. Uh, start with Eric. He's on Twitter, at Eric underscore, or underscore Eric underscore Robinson on Twitter. Eric, anything you're working on? Anything you want to close out the show with tonight? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be putting together either today or tomorrow, putting together the, the takeaways from uh, today's game. So be on the lookout for that uh, later on in the week. Um, that's about it for now. Yeah, cool, cool. Also with us tonight, Adnan Ikit. She's on Twitter at Say Which Way. Adnan, anything you want to plug? Anything else you want to close out with tonight? Um, Yeah, I have a fantasy article that's going to go tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, we're a month from basketball season. Go Hawks one free agency so you know we're near the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. we are yeah yeah and it's uh it's a it's a rough spot for this falcons team and again like i think this week's show we were trying to inject some positivity in there while giving you the proper caution about uh you know that this team did was going to face a difficult schedule and they'd have to basically pull off a miracle to make the playoffs and with this loss i mean it, it's it's almost impossible. I mean, it was almost impossible before. Now it's really almost impossible. Like if they win out now, they're still just nine and seven. There's a chance that's not good enough. I mean, with the extra playoff spot, it it's possible certainly, but um, I don't think so, guys. Like it, it's very very far fetched. Like we're we're far more likely to be arguing about whether this team's going to go seven and nine again than the, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot. So just keep that you know in mind. Keep that at the, at the forefront of your, of your mind. Don't get too invested in this team because at the end of the day, they're, they're still just pretty mediocre, you know, like they're, they're not a disaster, but they're just not very good. Like they can beat up on bad teams and they're going to lose to good teams. That's kind of this, that's kind of the story of like a seven and nine, eight and 18. Um, and the hope is that they're better than this talent wise. And they, if they get 
a, a quality coaching staff in here next year, this is very easily a team that could be competing for the playoffs. Like, um, I think, you know, with a good draft and, and a, just even just getting a quality offensive coordinator, like, I think this team with the enemy at the helm of this offense, like this could be an easily be like a top 10 scoring offense. And that's, a, that's all you need to really be competitive in the NFL. Like you just need to be a good offense. Like your defense could be pretty bad. And as long as your offense is putting up points at a, as a high level, you're going to be competitive and you're going to be in games and you're probably going to win most of them. Um, obviously if the defense is better. That helps, but um, that's kind of where we at, at this point. Uh, we have one final Donation from George Costanza, our benefactor. Thank you, George, for the $5, brother. We appreciate you. Uh, he's speaking for Dirk once again. Dirk says, okay, I used Ask Matt again. And it once again said halfback dive. Matt Ryan says, are you sure? It's still third and long. Dirk says, wait, wait, wait. You're right. I misread it. It said halfback draw. Dive would have been dumb. Yeah, no. That... <laughs> yeah, make the defense think you're going to pass and then run. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. George says, I'd be willing to bet this was an actual conversation that happened. Uh, and I agree. That sounds exactly like something Dirk Cutter would do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's sad. Uh, and we're going to hope for the best going forward. But uh, yeah, this team is in a dark place. And they're very limited offensively with Dirk Cutter. Like that, there's there's a limit to what they can do against even even average defenses with him at the helm. And, you know... I hope that he's gone sooner rather than later, but the the truth is we're probably gonna have to wait till the end of the year. So, and even if he is gone, like who's taking over? You know, Greg Knapp. Hell, I don't even want to slander Greg Knapp because Greg Knapp probably do a better job. Like at least Greg Knapp would just be a run first offensive coordinator, and we just know who he is. Are yeah. we sure of that? I'm not I'm sure not of anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely not sure. So. All right, guys. Well, again, we appreciate all of you. Like I said, I'm Kevin Knight at Alcoholic Kevin. Co-host tonight, Adnan Ikic at Say Which Way, Eric Robinson at underscore Eric underscore Robinson. You can like the show with that beautiful like button. You can subscribe to the show with that subscribe button. We appreciate both. Uh, we will be back on Wednesday night at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. A little pre-Turkey Day uh, show. Just tied you guys over. Um, <clears throat> we'll be talking about this game. We'll be talking about the next game. Uh, we're going to be getting into more draft takes. It's that time of year. Uh, so so keep you know an eye out for that. Uh, I'll have more draft-related articles coming this week, too. Until then, guys, thank you again for tuning in. Thank you for enduring this terrible season with us. Uh, hopefully there will be brighter days ahead. Uh, enjoy the rest of your football Sunday. Don't get too tilted. Uh, we will-